Welcome to A Mom is Born, an interview-style podcast dedicated to mothers of multiples. We share the ups and downs of trying to conceive, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum in an honest setting. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to A Mom is Born. I'm your host, Katie. Today, I'm excited to share with you Rennie's story, who you're going to hear in a moment. I did want to first disclaim that the audio isn't as up to par as I would hope for, and this is something that I'm definitely working on. I am not a professional podcaster. I'm just a mom. This is a fun little gig for me, but I feel like it's important to have her story out there, and I promise that I'm working on getting the audio to be a little better for my listeners. So without further ado, Rennie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My full name is Renata. I go by Rennie just because it's a little bit simpler and easier for everyone. Um, I am 24, a first-time mom and a stay-at-home mom to one-year-old twin boys, and I'm currently pregnant with a little girl. Um, my boys are Edward and Elliot, and they are my everything. Awesome. Congratulations on the pregnancy. <laughs> Thank you. Tell us a little bit about how you found out you were expecting the twins. We found out to the day, January 12th of last year. I realized I hadn't had my monthly yet, and I realized something just felt off. So I went to the store. I bought a test the week before my mom's birthday, and we had the two pink lines. I went and had an ultrasound done, and while we were in the doctor's office getting scanned, they told us not to hold our breath because they noticed the amniotic sac was two times its size and that they didn't want us to get too excited yet. That yes, there was something, but that we needed to come back the next week to see if anything progressed, especially since my HCG levels were extremely high. <laughs> we went ahead and we told my family right away about it. Explained to them, you know, yes, we're expecting, we're excited. We go in tomorrow for the ultrasound. And it was my mom's birthday. She looked at me and she was you're going to have twins. I kind of looked at her and I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, yeah, twins run in the family, but there's no way. We were having the ultrasound done. Was doing this, just the overall scan real quick over the belly to see what she could see and then did the probe. And when she was doing the sweep, she paused and got really, really quiet. And I kind of had this internal panic. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Please tell me they're still there. Please tell me I still have at least a baby in there. And she goes, I'm about to shock you. There's two. And I stood up and the wand went flying. And my husband, my fiance at the time, was sitting there with the biggest smile on his face. And it was just this momentary pause of life. And you just we just sat there going, what? It was... I think the funniest, weirdest moment in the pregnancy is just the way she was just like, well, I'm about to shock you. We we were preparing for the worst. Once you found out that you were expecting twins, how did your pregnancy progress? A lot of ups and downs. Um, we had a scare before Valentine's Day last year. Um, I started hemorrhaging 
and they couldn't figure out why. They thought there was a chance that I was losing one or both feet. After they finally managed to get the bleeding to calm down and they brought me back, they did a scan and they found, that's when they found they were identical. And we had several scares through the rest of the pregnancy. We had struggles with Edward's amniotic sac would be a lot less than Elliot's. The twin to twin, um, Mon and David matched up with my OB. And thankfully, until that point, everything stayed pretty, pretty um, calm. Things were doing good. At 28 weeks, we got to do the 3D scan. So funny, we were laying there doing the scans and everything, and the doctor just did a quick little scan, and I saw just a little flick of one of the twins' faces. I want to say it was Elliot. And I just lost it. And they go, oh, you never saw this yet. Well, let's go back. And they just went back. They fixed up the picture, and they pulled up those 3D faces, and it was the first time I ever got to see my babies for who they really look like. And that hit, that, that hit very hard that day, knowing did, and there they are. Um, but the three D scan as well. They also discovered Elliot had um, an umbilical varix, which it means he just had a few extra twists in his cord, and it was bulging near his belly button, so he had an increased risk for blood clots. And they discovered Edward had a heart murmur, which is normal, but they thought possibly his heart could be a bicuspid valve instead of a tricuspid. What would that mean for his health in the future? Were they saying, like, he would have to have surgery after he was born, or were they just planning to monitor it and see how it went, or how did that look? For the most part, they said that it's very, very common. They would just monitor, keep an eye on it, make sure nothing really develops past it. Um, For the most part, now that he's older, they haven't heard any murmurs. Um, When we went and saw the cardiologist at six months old, they found no issues whatsoever. Um, But we are following up at two to two and a half years just to check on it. So thankfully, it's just a follow-up. Just kind of keep an eye on it then. For our moms who may be new to this journey, I know you mentioned twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? From what I was told, it's the placental shear becomes off. For my boys, thankfully, it it wasn't too bad. The shares were 60% for Elliot. 40% for Edward. Um, Usually they like to see it no more than that. Usually you want the placental share for what the babies are getting from you to be around 50 to 50, you know, pretty normal numbers. But what can happen is if one baby is not getting enough, that baby will not grow as fast and face a lot of complications. The baby that does get more. So in Elliot's case, they will be a lot bigger. It can cause heart problems, respiratory problems, possible brain damage, and that's for both babies as well. I'm glad that nothing came of that. That's a good thing. Most part, everything went really good. Um, The pregnancy, I mean, just lots of ups and downs. Uh, 30 weeks, I 
was diagnosed with severe preeclampsia. I had dilated to three centimeters spontaneously with 75% effacement. I had to be EMS transported to Meritor, and at 31 and three days, I was diagnosed with pulmonary edema and had dilated out to four centimeters with 90% effacement. And I was told, we can either try to deliver these babies or you go on life support. Wow. And what did you decide? We decided it would be best for the babies to come out. And we ended up delivering vaginally the next day. It was the most beautiful, painful thing I had ever gotten to experience. Elliot was head down, and I only pushed for 30 minutes with him. And he was 4 pounds, 12 ounces at 8.03 in the morning. Edward was transverse, but they had to reach up and pull him by his feet. And after six minutes of pushing, he was 3 pounds, 13 ounces. How did everything go after they were born? At first, it was... It was a lot of insanity. In in the delivery room, we had, I'm not sure if it was five or ten doctors per kid. So there were at least 20 people in that delivery room, and it was absolute madness when, it, when the babies were being born. But the moment that Elliot was taken back to the back of the OR, they did the APGAR test, and he had only scored a two got him intubated and right before they got the tube down his throat all you could hear was this little lamb crying mm-hmm. so they decided not to put the tube down and they put him on CPAP and he scored a 7 it was the exact same thing with Edward he had scored a 2 when they brought him back and the same thing they were going to intubate and all of a sudden he let out this little cry just like a little lamb just like his brother <laughs> and um they decided that CPAP was the way to go and it was it's a moment in time that just freezes for me did you get to hold them at all when they were um, born I got to very briefly. They got to put they put them on my chest for I'd say maybe a minute just so I could see them. They clamped the cords, got them cut off, and they were whisked away pretty quickly. Yeah. How much time did they spend in the NICU? They both were in for forty five days exactly. They defied all the odds. They were told well, I shouldn't say they we we were told that they would probably be there a little bit closer to 40 weeks because they're boys. However, while I was in the hospital, the steroid shots for their lungs. So that was a big game changer for the NICU team. They were weaned off to room air. I want to say it was five or six days of life. And then by 10 days old, they were completely out of the isolate and in their own crib. Were you able to visit them because of COVID restrictions, or what did that look like? That was, surprisingly, not too different than the NICU in the past. I've never had a baby in the NICU before, but, you know, I know, I know 
lots of people who have had their babies in the NICU. And the only difference was you had to wear your mask at all times. You have to hand wash every time you're about to pick up the baby. It was just, a, it was way, way, way more sanitary, sanitary rule than anything. Could you and your fiancé go at the same time to visit them? Surprisingly, yes. That was the one thing that we were afraid of was only one of us being allowed. But they said for pediatric patients, it's two parents or two guardians per child. But they said because they are twins and they are in the same room, they can only allow the two of us. We got to go, I think we went every single day except for one day because I was feeling kind of sick. How long of a drive was it to the hospital from where you lived at that point in time? From where we were living, we were driving about an hour and 15 minutes, give or take, depending on traffic, every single day. So altogether, it was about a three-hour round trip every day. It's a long way, but you got to do it. What did your recovery look like once you got home besides having to get yourself up every day and get ready to go to the hospital when you should be at home? Recovering can be really, really (laughs) difficult in itself. But how were you doing at home once you were released from having them? Recovery itself from the birth, I would say, was a breeze. You know, thankfully, I only needed one stitch. Everything healed nicely. Everything progressed nicely back to normal. There were no complications, just I had to be on blood pressure medication for a couple weeks just to continue to fight the preeclampsia. The symptoms got better once the babies were born. However, I would say postpartum itself mentally was the hardest thing, and even to this day, still the hardest thing I deal with. I did decide to seek out help and... I since then have been diagnosed with postpartum depression and um, post-traumatic stress disorder because of what happened in the hospital and what happened through the NICU experience, unfortunately. That's really tough. And I know coming up, they just turned a year old. So I know, at least for us, they always said right around that year mark, it can really spike and get worse because you're reflecting on, yeah, they're a year old, but all of the things that you went through the past year, it can be really difficult. And I'm really glad that you got help. How did you know how to get help? What avenue did you take? Started with, thankfully, I was born into a family that has an awesome support system, awesome ability to pick up on things when things are off. It started with, you know, my mom realizing she's not okay. And letting me cry, letting me come over when I needed to, just to get it out of my system. The phone calls in the middle of the night, the phone calls early in the morning, just having someone to talk to. Not that I'm not grateful for my husband. He's been my number one supporter since day one with these babies. Sometimes you need that outside person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big, big thing that I think everyone needs. Yeah, I am definitely glad that you had your mom to help you through that. And transitioning a little bit to your babies. So they're in the NICU for 44 days. When did you start to think that they might be coming home? When did you have an idea that might be close? 
I would say a good week before they came home, they were noticing they were keeping down most, if not all of their feeds and they were drinking on their own. They weren't really relying on the NG tube to help feed them. And they were hitting growth milestones. They were both over six pounds. They said, all right, there's everything we're going to do. Here's our little checklist. We need you to bring in car seats. That's the next step. A few days before they went home, they did the car seat test to make sure that they could handle the hour drive home. So they would sit in the car seats hooked up to their heart monitors just to watch for any spikes or dips that they would have, especially since Edward had, he had a lot of dips when he was in the NICU. So the biggest thing was watching him make sure he doesn't dip because of the reflux and the tracheal episodes he would have. Once they passed the car seat test, that was the game changer. That was, all right, they passed it. We're going to get you guys into a CPR class. We're going to make sure you know what you're doing. We're going to give you a few days to get everything together and get your get your ducks in a row before it's time to go. What was it like carrying them out of the NICU and bringing them home? It, it was so surreal. I sat in the back of the car between them, and I cried. Sorry, it gets me choked up a little. It was the most magical, stressful moment in our lives because we realized Everything that NICU prepared us for was about to happen. We were about to go on our own. We were pushed into the world with these two tiny little things and, you know, to call if anything was to happen. But it was realized the freedom that we finally had. But the fear of COVID happening, the fear of what do we do if Edward has a trachea episode? What do we do if they stop feeding all of a sudden? Just all of these what ifs. But my husband would look at me and go, but they're home. Mm-hmm. They're sleeping. They're happy. They're smiling. We get to hold these two tiny, tiny little babies and the world is a safe place again. Did you have to wake them up every three hours or so that first night? For the most part, they were pretty good about waking on their own. My husband was working night shifts, so he took over a lot of the feeds. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> he would come get me if I needed anything. And I think that's when I realized that maternal instinct is a very real and very scary thing all at once. I would be laying there in the middle of the night. And I would just hear this tiny little cry, just real quiet in the back of my head. And I would sit straight up. And my first instinct was, go get the baby, go get a bottle. <laughs> my husband would be standing there going, I was just about to do it. And he would just keep giving me these looks every time it would happen. He realized that this was natural. And it was the best thing ever. If you ran into someone that was expecting twins and you had to give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them? No matter what is about to happen, there's a reason. There's a rhyme and reason for everything that happens. And to trust your gut and to trust your heart with everything. Don't be afraid to stand up for your babies. Don't be afraid to set those boundaries. Even if it does upset family or it upsets friends, your babies come first. 
but your mental health needs to come first as well. Don't be afraid to ask for help, even if you have set boundaries. As scary as it can be, it is going to be the most magical, wild ride you will ever get to experience. What's your favorite part about being a twin mom? Everything has become my favorite, even the points where you sit on the floor with them and you're crying too because, dude, I don't know what's wrong with you and I can't fix it, but hey, let's cry together. <laughs> so fun. You get to watch. Although my, for me, in my case, I have identical boys. They are so wildly different. I have one boy who will come up and hug you and hold you and just sniff and melt into you like butter. And I have the other little boy who just sits and does his own thing and is quiet and calm and he'll come cuddle if he feels like it. You know, he's not a huge cuddler. He just likes to go to his own drum and it's so cool just seeing that and realizing even through their separate personalities, they have a bond that nobody would ever understand. Mm -hmm. Were you worried before they were born that you weren't going to be able to tell them apart? That was a huge fear for us. Um, <laughs> we were extremely nervous when we found out they were identical. Our first thought was, how do we tell them apart? What do we do to tell them apart? Mm -hmm. it, it can be a struggle for some moms, not all moms, but some moms can struggle with, okay, they have the exact same face. How do I tell you two apart? <laughs> but for us, it came very naturally. We discovered that with a lot of identical twins, one of them tends to have more of a pear-shaped face and one has more of a peach-shaped face. So for us, um, Elliot has a longer, chubbier cheeked face, and Ed has a rounder, plump face. So it became very easy for us. And as Edward got older, he developed um, a hemangioma on his chest. Okay. So that became a huge, huge identifier for us. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to mix them up with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Rennie for sharing your story on A Mom is Born. I really appreciate your honesty and transparency with your experience with PPD and PTSD. It's nothing to be ashamed of, and if there's any listeners out there who need help, feel free to reach out to us. I'm happy to put you in touch with someone that can help. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor, but I'm definitely a good listening ear. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be hearing from Molly. She had a high-risk pregnancy with Mo-Mo twins, and if you don't know what that means, we're going to dive into it. I do have one favor to ask my listeners. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a review, please help out and leave us a review. I do read them and it helps bring awareness to our podcast so that other moms who are experiencing multiples can find us. And that was the whole reason that I started this podcast was just to help mamas feel like they're not alone in their experience. So it would be greatly appreciated. 
Just remember, Mama, you're doing the best job that you can. You're exactly the right person for your babies, and you are amazing.